This episode is brought to you by the awesome folks who support me on Patreon. A big shout out to my multi-tier supporters, Terence C, St. Peaches, Earl B, and Christina N. Moving on to the Tao tier, I want to express my gratitude to Bonkers and Carlu C. And last but not least, a massive thank you goes out to the incredible supporters of the Anito tier. Byron A, Jordan, Roman J, Philip, Mona, and Luna, Hannah, Diwatahan, and Brizzo. To all my wonderful supporters, thank you from the bottom of my heart for making this podcast happen. And if you, my dear listeners, if you want to help support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash tabitabipod and choose the tier that fits your interest. Your support means the world to me and I can't wait to have you on board. Mabuhay and welcome to Tabi Tabi Podcast, a show where we explore the fascinating and often mysterious folklore of the Philippines. I am your host, Ethan. Hi, thanks for joining me today. Another week, another episode. Hello, hello. I hope you're all doing fine today and thanks for making Tabi Tabi Podcast a part of your week. Thank you so much to the people who sent their spooky stories. I really appreciate it a lot and that's about it. I don't have any announcements today other than I'm thankful you're here. So with that said, why don't we get on with today's episode? Settle in my dear listeners and let's begin. Walking at night provides a mix of calm and caution. It's serene because the streets are less crowded, the hustle and bustle have faded, and if you're in the countryside, it can be really peaceful. You can listen to the crickets and the eerie sounds of trees and feel the cool nighttime breeze. Yet, amid this peace, there's this unsettling feeling that someone or something might be hiding in the darkness, ready to jump out on you. But in today's episode, the creature I'm going to talk about does not jump out from the bushes. Instead, it swoops down from the sky, ready to snatch you up and carry you to its lair to make you its next meal. Today, we are going to talk about the infamous Manananggal. The Manananggal is a creature well known to many Filipinos. It's one of those eerie creatures from Philippine folklore that parents and elders would use to keep kids from going out after dark. If you grew up or lived in rural areas here in the Philippines, there's a good chance you've heard tales or rumors about neighbors encountering a Manananggal on their way home. Or perhaps you've heard stories about a manananggal hovering around the house of another neighbor, especially when that neighbor is expecting a baby. During the day, the manananggal takes the form of a beautiful maiden, often described as attractive, light-skinned, and long-haired. Most of the time, it's pictured as a woman, although there are some male versions of Manananggal, but most of the time, the stories really portray the Manananggal as a woman. These creatures hang out in both rural and, believe it or not, urban settings. In the daytime, they just blend in with regular people. They can visit churches, wet markets, and other places. They are known to visit villages as well and towns to find someone to feed on and move along once the suspicion grows or once they've had their fill. 
Some folks believe that these manananggals can have families and sometimes when they are in the mood for a snack, they'll bring their victims home to feed their kids. The most common tales describe the manananggal as a being or creature that is able to split its body at night, sprouting wings, fangs, and sharp claws during a full moon transformation. The interesting part of this transformation is that its top half can take flight to hunt for food, and in this case, it's after humans. Yes, humans. You see, the Manananggal's diet, according to folklore, is mainly centered around human flesh, blood, or organs. That's why in Mr. Maximo Ramos's book, The Creatures of Philippine Lower Mythology, the Manananggal is categorized as a viscera sucker. What's that? Let me explain. The viscera sucker term breaks down as viscera, referring to organs, and sucker, meaning to draw or extract liquids or air into the mouth. Meaning, the manananggal is known for feeding by extracting a person's internal organs or blood. This process involves the use of their long, tubular tongue to extract entrails, sputum, or even fetuses from their victims. They typically carry out this gruesome act by hovering above their victim's home and extending their thread-like tongue through the gaps in the roof. This method is especially effective in rural areas where traditional bahay kubo houses with anahaw roofs are common, enabling the manananggal's access to unsuspecting victims easy. While I don't have specific information about the creature's exact place of origin, the Manananggal is not limited to a specific region within the Philippines. This creature appears in stories from various Filipino cultural groups including Tagalogs, Bicolanos, and parts of the Visayas. It is particularly prominent in the western provinces of Capiz, Iloilo, Bohol, and Antique. The Manananggal is also known by different names in various parts of the Philippines. In the Eastern Visayas, it is referred to as Abat or Awok. In Bicol, it's known as Aswang na Lupad. In Kuyonen, it's called Mangalok. In Iloilo, it's known as Boroka or Boroka. And in Hiligaynon and Waray, it goes by the name Wakwak. In addition to being a visitor sucker, the manananggal is also referred to as a self-segmenter or a self-segmenting viscera sucker. But what does it mean to be a self-segmenter or self-segmenting? The term segment refers to the act of dividing into distinct parts or sections. In the case of the manananggal, this ability allows them to separate their top half and fly away. The story from Mr. Maximo Ramos' book provides an example of a self-segmenting visera sucker with the context of a seminar held in Lokban, Quezon in 1930. You see, during the seminar in this story, peculiar incidents occurred that led the townspeople to believe they were encountering a swang, particularly the manananggal. At night, Locals heard flying wing noises and the distinct tick-tick-tick-tick sound attributed to the tick-tick bird. 
It was a common belief that this bird's sound was an indicator of the presence of a swang. So curious and somewhat brave people or individuals looked out their window one night to witness a startling sight. They saw a flock of creatures with black wings that had human heads but were missing the lower halves of their bodies from the waist down. And this they presumed to be Manananggal. Suspicion grew when the townspeople noticed peculiar behaviors among some of the delegates who were attending the seminar. These delegates refused to eat spicy dishes and had a preference for dishes like dinuguan or meat cooked with blood and inihaw na lamang loob or roasted internal organs. Additionally, they couldn't maintain eye contact with others which is said to be a telltale sign that they were not what they seem. In response to these signs, the Lukban locals took protective measures by hanging spices like garlic and black pepper outside their windows and placing crosses on their roofs. These actions were intended to deter the Aswang or the Manananggal and the town only regained its peace after the seminar ended and the delegates had left. Now, I'm sure you're curious about the Manananggal's ability to split in half. You're probably wondering, well, how do they do it? Well, the short answer is a transformation, basically. But let me provide a bit more detail. To begin, it's essential to recognize that the Manananggal belongs to the category of Aswangs, as explained by Mr. Edgar Summer in his book, Mga Nilalang Nakagilas-Gilas. For context, an Aswang is a mythical creature in Filipino folklore, particularly in the Visayan regions of the Philippines, which are known to have a shape-shifting ability that allows them to transform into various forms such as animals or humans and they are often associated with night and darkness. With that said, there are two types of aswang, the walking aswangs and the flying aswangs. Given that the Manananggal is known for taking to the skies or for flying, it falls into the category of flying aswangs or in Bicol, we call that aswang na lupad. To achieve this ability, these creatures must use a magical formula or ointment. But what exactly is this ointment made of? While growing up, I have heard of this ointment and only thought of it as some sort of myth. I also thought at one point that it was just some regular oil that you could buy in your local store, but I was mistaken. Fortunately, I came across a book that provided answers to this mystery. In Frank Lynch's book, The Aswang Inquiry, which was kindly gifted to me during the Halimawin 2020 Challenge by Philippine Spirits, please follow them, it says there that this ointment is composed of ill-smelling chicken dung or chicken poop, coconut oil for dissolving, and decayed human flesh or blood. This ointment is typically stored in a bamboo container or bottle. When the Manananggal is prepared to embark on its evening hunt, it seeks out specific locations such as Banana Grove, a deserted field, or the Batalan which serves as an extension of the kitchen used for water jar storage and dishwashing. This is where they would usually perform their transformation and where they would usually leave their lower half. Now, after applying the ointment to their body, 
they will recite a special incantation. Once the incantations are spoken, the transformation unfolds. An oily membrane reportedly appears on both sides of the body, and their hair, usually brittle, becomes straight and rigid, so much so that it's said to be as sharp as a cheese cutter. Their eyes take on a reddish hue, and their teeth became razor sharp, and the fingernails grow long and pointed. The manananggal then flaps her wings while repeatedly uttering the words kas kas kas, which in Bicol translates to fast, so I assume that this might be a motion or a signal for them to fly faster or a way to boost their energy for them to fly faster. At least that's my theory. And as these creatures take flight, you will hear eerie cries which can sound like wak wak, takak, or kikik. These cries are believed to resemble the ominous call of a bird, signaling the arrival of a manananggal and serving as a warning to those in the vicinity. The manananggal doesn't just venture out at night without a target in mind, no no. These creatures possess a keen sense of smell that allows them to detect sick individuals or pregnant women from considerable distances. So before they undergo their transformation, they already know where they're headed. In the province, stories like this are pretty common. When someone in the community falls ill or when there's a pregnant woman in the vicinity and you suddenly hear noises on the roof, that's a cause for concern. That noise often means a manananggal has perched itself on your rooftop ready to attack you or still observing when's the best time to attack. Traditional rural houses, both in the past and to some extent even today, are often constructed with materials like bamboo, anahaw leaves, and palm leaves, quite different from the concrete structures found in the cities. So... With this in mind, it's easier for the manananggal to insert their thread-like tongue in the slits of the anahaw roof as I mentioned earlier. Let's take the pregnant women for example. When there's a pregnant woman and you hear noises in the roof, it is a cause for concern because once the manananggal locates the hole in the roof, the manananggal will extend its long proboscis-like tongue through it. When the tip of this tongue touches the victim's belly, it goes through the navel and directly towards the unborn child. With the help of enzymes, the manananggal will digest the fetus and then suck it out, often resulting in the mother's death. But Ethan, what if it doesn't find any sick or pregnant women to eat? What will it feed on? Well, it might turn to a lone traveler or an intoxicated person walking alone at night. Remember, the manananggal doesn't have a lower half during these moments and they don't necessarily have wings on their back. Their hands are actually the wing. It grows membranes, basically. So what it does is it swoops down between the legs of its unsuspecting prey and carries them into the air. So if you find yourself walking alone on a dark street at night, it's probably a good idea not to leave too much space between your legs to avoid becoming a potential manananggal meal. 
Now once the manananggal has satiated its hunger, it must return to its lower half before the sun sets or it'll meet its demise and die. So basically, it has a time limit. That's why the manananggal needs to choose a safe place where to leave the body. That way, it's easier for them to get back to it. The usual places it leaves its lower half are on remote fields or banana groves. Using a banana grove is particularly clever as it camouflages well among the trees at night. So when passing by a banana grove from a distance, you'd never guess that that stump right in front of you is the lower half of a manananggal. At first glance, you might think, oh, it looks like an ordinary banana stump. I'll guess I'll just move on. But in reality, it's actually the lower half of the manananggal. Once the manananggal locates its lower half, reattaching itself to the stump is all that's required. Its internal organs return to their proper positions, enabling it to revert to its human form. Furthermore, there's a belief that after this transformation, they must bathe in a river. This ritual is thought to wash away the ointment's unpleasant odor as well as its supernatural power. So how can you protect yourself from a manananggal? Number one is salt. You can sprinkle salt around your house, especially near doors and windows. You see, salt is believed to act as a protective barrier against them. Number two, garlic. Hang garlic cloves on your windows and doors. Manananggals are reputed to dislike the smell of garlic, making it an effective deterrent. Number three. Stingray's tail or buntot ng pagi. If you happen to have a stingray's tail, you can use it to defend yourself. A strike with the tail can injure the manananggal, although it may not be that fatal. Alternatively, displaying it in your home is believed to keep them away. Number 4. Stay grounded. If you come face to face with a manananggal and it's about to attack, don't attempt to flee. Instead, throw yourself to the ground and wait for it to pass. Because remember, they can swoop between your legs if you try to run. So, if you throw yourself to the ground, they can't really do that. So, you'll be safe. Lastly, number five is to locate the lower half. Another way to combat the manananggal is to actively search for its lower half. Once found, you can apply garlic ash, or salt to the exposed stump. Alternatively, you can hide the lower half, preventing the manananggal from reuniting with it and ultimately causing the creature to perish before sunrise. These protective measures and actions have been long considered effective in warding off or defending against the manananggal according to Filipino folklore. And there you have it, the manananggal. This creature, with their ability to split in two and take to the night sky, have scared the imaginations of generations of Filipino kids. Whether you believe in their existence or see them as tales passed down through generations, the Manananggal remains a unique and permanent part of Philippine folklore. And that concludes the 11th episode of the podcast about the creepy Manananggal. I hope you enjoyed listening and learned something new. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. 
Or you can always become a Patreon member and get cool benefits. Just head over to patreon.com slash tabitabipod. Or you can always donate via GCash. The info will be posted in the description. Once again, thank you so much to my patrons and to you, my dear listeners. Thank you for continuously supporting the podcast. Please stay safe. This has been Ethan. Thanks for listening to Tabi Tabi Podcast. Join me next time to discuss more Philippine creatures. Bye!